I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am enjoying 15 minutes of sunshine here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And joining me on the other line, lounging in the satellite branch from Scenic Hamilton, she wishes she had bread like me. It's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. I do wish I had bread like you. I've only got regular bread, and I'm very sad about it. The lesson is always close out the brunch spot more on that in a moment friends this is episode 309 of the geek down podcast if you would like to listen to any of our other 308 episodes my god can you believe there have been that many i can't always astonishing if you want to hear any and all of them you just take yourself wherever you get your audio content spotify soundcloud google apple or stitcher give us a little rate review follow subscribe throw five stars at us while you're there just do it just do you won't do it you won't give us five stars are you trying to use you. reverse psychology on them? No. You won't do it. You won't give us five stars. <laughs> I was get, about to get real mean at the audience, but then I was like, no, I like the audience. I'm just grumpy about the, the bad weather. You losers. You won't give us five stars. <laughs> uh, please give us five stars if you do that. And when you hit follow, henceforth, you will never miss an episode of this podcast because it's going to be brought to you, sprinkled from the back of a rainbow-maned alicorn named Philip by someone who, rain or shine, never loses his sunny disposition, and that's your man's. Chauncey Fostelicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. For those of you who want to know, yes, the sprinkles are um, rainbow-flavored. You're eating the sprinkles? You always eat the sprinkles. <laughs> the best part. Wow. Friends, I did not know I had. I've been doing a podcast for over 300 episodes with a sprinkle eater over here. Friends, if you got thought, are you pro or anti sprinkle eating? Head on over to the place where you can always find <laughs> discourse of the highest caliber like that. Twitter.com slash geekdownpod. So the only place where the show lives on the social media. I saw that story about, you know, um, Twitter basically removing free access to what is essentially its software tools. Yeah. To like make bots and stuff. I thought it was just like Twitter in general. Like Twitter was just going to be like cost money going forward. And I low-key felt relief, Caitlin. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm free of Twitter. <laughs> finally happened. I started like started like scratching at my shirt collar. I was like, oh my God, I'm finally free of Twitter. Uh, I feel, no such I feel that way about Facebook. I feel like... You got it. You got it. What am I even on Facebook for at this point? I two groups. Like the Perfume Fan Group and Anime Vinyl Collectors. Those are the only two reasons I check Facebook once every two weeks. I just, I, it's like there are some stragglers that I really want to keep in touch with. But who? Just, just. Your dad. My dad. Besides your dad. My dad. Um, my friend Ren. I get like life updates through her Facebook. I think, no, no. I think she does that thing where she posts them to Instagram and Right. Facebook, but I'm not on Instagram and I don't want to be. Um, you can't make me. And I so Oh, he's back in the right horse, that one. <laughs> so I I I kind of am like, oh, I don't wanna you know, I just check in once in a while, it's fine. But every time I'm on Facebook, it makes me angry. <laughs> every single time. Uh correct. That is the correct, <laughs> that is response. The correct response, yes. 
Friends, if you'd like to support this endeavor financially, so Caitlin can, I don't know, go on a go on a retreat and digitally detox and get Facebook fully out of her life. Three dollars in the old tip jar, ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. Every dollar donated to this endeavor is truly appreciated. It is. And I would really like to detox from Facebook, so I might push this as a financial goal. <laughs> This is this is the one she's finally going with. I've been I've been I'm providing over three hundred reasons to compensate us for our work over the past six years. This is the one Caitlin's finally throwing her hat in on. Yeah, I think it's really important. I think everyone should do it. But let me do it first, please. Let me escape. Uh, Kate, besides p- Facebook poisoning your mind, how's your week been? Ah, oh, it's been okay. I mean, mostly works really busy. It's our busy time of year. Um, it is still too dark in the evenings. Uh, so much so that I'll come home and it's pretty light out and then I will walk through the front door and look back and it's like pitch black. It tricks you. It tricks you. It comes real fast. Uh, I, uh, it's not nice. Yeah, that's, that's, that's me with the gym. I get done at the gym most days around 4.30 or something. Mm-hmm. Transit behaves or I don't have to run any errands. Yeah, I get home around 5 and it's still it's still dusky. Yep. I come home. I get up get upstairs, put my jacket and you know my gym clothes away and all that stuff and maybe start dinner. And I turn around and yes, it's three in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Outside. Exactly. Um, and we're, claw- we're clawing our way out though, Kate. We're getting there. We are getting, we had actual sunshine today in Toronto. I said at the top, it was glorious. Forgot what that was like. Yeah. You know, we went like three weeks without actual sunshine. Yeah, I know so- we were complaining about this pandemonium <laughs> the other week, but like... I think I'm, I did mention this statistic um, last week, but I'll mention it again just so people understand. The darkness would not be so bad <laughs> if we could see the sun. And last month, January, there were oh. literally three days of sunshine. Three days. My fucking God. It was it worse than Vancouver. So that's the problem. It's, no, it's, no wonder this city is literally the Gotham of Todd Phillips <laughs> Joker for the last like five weeks. Like international friends, you probably don't get Toronto media that often, but like this city has been coming, eating itself for like a month yeah. between the stabbings and the swarmings. I'm at work. I see the teens in the manga section. I got to keep my eye out for what sw- they could swarm on me at any time. <laughs> Kate, I got to keep an eye out. People on streetcars chasing people with syringes. It is it like is literally wild out there. <laughs> it's so, and it's weird because I'm in Hamilton, and I'm. The, but for me, it's like sort of watching as Toronto becomes more and more like Baltimore. <laughs> I'm like, what is going <laughs> on? Uh, uh, I just leave the house in the morning out here. Maybe I'll walk through the garden. <laughs> No, 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 McNulty, no, absolutely not. I don't want it. Send it back. Uh, wired to electric boogaloo. <laughs> God. Uh, so yes, we enjoyed the sunshine today. I actually went out briefly. Uh, took myself over to uh, a place called Passage, in Toronto's Leslieville neighborhood. It is a Turkish bakery slash brunch spot. I'm not really a fan or enjoyer of Turkish food. Not that I don't enjoy it. I just didn't know it. Had never been, Kate. So so it wasn't that you're not an enjoyer of Turkish food. You were just ignorant of tr- Turkish not food. An ex- not an experiencer mm-hmm. of Turkish food, yes. Um, and I mean, I played it safe. I just got whatever their version of Benedict was. Uh, and it was delicious. And then at the end of it, because it was me and a few, uh, few friends, uh, past and present, uh, from Major Canadian Retailer. And... We were sitting around jaw jacking afterwards. And like I said, it's a brunch spot. So they closed at like four. 
waitress comes through and she's like, so since we're going to be closing up in like 45 minutes and we thought we were getting the boot, she's like, we actually have a bunch of like the stuff that didn't sell today. Like we'll be throwing it out. Otherwise, do you guys want it? Like we've got some cookies that are like, and then she started to explain the cookies and I'm like, I don't need all that. Mm -mm. Stop at cookies. She's like, but they're like soaked in honey. I was like, you you were good. You were good. Just give me the cookies. (laughs) That's all we need. And then we got the cookies and someone was in the restroom and the other weight person came over and said, um, do you guys want a loaf of bread? And we were like, yes, we want a loaf of bread. <laughs> yeah. Caitlin, I came home with two cookies, like a full ass baguette <laughs> and like two like specialty rolls. I, I mashed the one before we started recording. It was like an olive roll Ooh. and like olive paste mm-hmm. in inside it. Mm-hmm. Y'all, number one, Turkish food. Pretty all right. Number two, close out the brunch spot because they have pastries that are going in the trash otherwise. Um, and they will just give it to you for zero dollars. I would just like to say that I was jealous of the bread before. Now I'm really jealous <laughs> of the bread. Kitten's like, fuck you with your bread. Stupid face Jordan with his stupid <laughs> bread that sounds delicious. I don't. You don't cl- I don't clock a lot of wins in my day to day. I usually have to make them happen. They don't just kind of fall in my lap like that. But yo, some some bread handed to me. We will take that. Kate. Yes. To the delight of the listening public today, we have no wrestling news or we will have a brief update later on. Very brief, I promise you. But there are some things in the ether to talk about today. Amazingly. We did not. Well, let's let's start with this one. Um, So a follow up to the general uh, concern troll slash Netflix WID discussion we had a few weeks ago regarding some of the programming decisions. Uh, the hammer that we were all waiting for the, the, the worst kept secret in streaming was that Netflix was planning to drop the hammer on password sharing. Yeah. This, this goes from, you know, the same company that tweeted in like 2017, you know, the sharing a password is a love language or something, um, is now like, Ooh, we have reached saturation. Enough of that. Growth is slowing. (laughs) So we will force growth by... Making everyone mad, essentially. Mm-hmm. So what broke last week was this idea that we knew this was floating around. They've been talking about they were going to do this for a while to, to limit the rampant password sharing that happens on the Netflix streaming pass platform. I, myself, don't know if I can name anyone. <laughs> <laughs> who actually owns Netflix. Who pays for their own Netflix. Um, I can tell, you do. I can, do you? I can tell you right now, I was going to say, we pay for four other people to have netflix <laughs> but is that one thing that's done where like the primary account holder pays for other people to be on it and it's like two bucks a month no, no, or no, something no, no. Or? i just mean that we're like i like to think of it as sponsoring individuals to get entertainment right. they don't pay anything <laughs> i have had people in the past for like because we also we, we have quite a few streaming services um people have offered to you know throw us some money or whatever and i'm like eh, don't worry about it um because it's really not that bad but but we definitely are thinking of cutting one of them um, because it's gone out of hand. Um, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But um, I think what, what we predicted long ago is is happening, which is just people are going to the high seas. They're finding oh, if other... People, if people got to cut one, the one that's pulling this shit is the one that's going to go. Well, I was just about to say, and and any the, the first person to pull that trigger, I'm going to call it, 
of like, oh no, you can only, the way Netflix had it set up was you would only be able to use that password if you were using the same Wi-Fi. Yes. Um, that, that's the one everyone's going to be like, nope, I'll just see you on the high seas. And Pull anchor. Kate, Caitlin is flagrant. Um, <laughs> I am probably the like scenario that a lot of people find themselves in. Now, I'm a grown-ass man. I could be paying for my own Netflix. But I am the only person besides my dad on the account. It's my father's account back in Windsor, Essex. And I am the only other person on that account here in Toronto. If I had lived at home until last month and I moved away, that's how it would be. And that's what, you know, a lot of the complaining has come from essentially students. Right. Who are like, you know, really, you're going to make me like do that. I live like on the other side of the continent now. And you want me to log into my parents' Wi-Fi to prove that I live there. Um, Surprise to no one. This did not go well. No. And surprise to no one. Uh, about a week later, Netflix was like, LOL, JK, uh, that was an error. That shouldn't have gone up. Um, <laughs> Netflix told The Guardian uh, that they mistakenly launched a set of guidelines for cracking down on password sharing for global users. The streaming service said the guidelines were being trialed in Chile, Peru, and Costa Rica and have been posted accidentally on its help center pages, including the U.S. last uh-huh. Wednesday, but had since been taken down. Uh-huh. Um, since last year, Netflix had been trialing paid sharing in those three countries where an account holder pays for an extra service, uh, about two ninety nine a month, Ugh. um, which is gross, but I mean, it's low key fine. I'm sure my dad wouldn't even notice or feel if his, if he, you know, clicked that box or I clicked that box and three bucks got added. Um, but this is like. We've been talking about this forever every time we talk about whether or not we're going to take to the high seas, which is, it goes back to the same thing Steve Jobs said when they were launching the iTunes store, where it's like, people don't want to steal shit. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. If you make it easy and affordable, they will pay for it. Netflix's thing is, and I mean, capitalists will side with Netflix, which is just like, well, not enough people are paying so, for Netflix. So here's a couple things. A, this is what people... We're talking about way back when with Game of Thrones. You could not, for the longest time, they did not have an HBO streaming. You could not get Game of Thrones unless you literally had a cable package and had HBO. Or you had to steal it. Those were your two options. There were no other options. Um, And... My problem with this is not, it's not a sustainability thing. It's a growth thing. Because these days, it's not enough to do well. You have to year over year, quarter over quarter, make so much of a profit. And I think. Not even that. You just have to show growth. Amazon and Netflix like barely turn profits, but they always show that they're growing, which keeps money flowing in from investors. Which is a terrible model. Because it puts pressure on the people you're providing the service to. Um, There's actually been this whole thing about um, like purchases on Amazon, how they uh, inflate costs so people like won't notice or they say things that are – they're like on 30% sale, but that's actually just the regular price Mm. uh, in store. Um, And they're doing this more and more. Um, 
because they're evil. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's the problem. It's not that people, not enough people are paying for it. It's that they need to make a certain amount of growth and we're suffering for it. Netflix, which has 230 million subscribers worldwide, said last month that account sharing, quote, undermines our long-term ability to invest in and improve Netflix. It said more than 100 million households were sharing accounts and that in the first three months of 2023, it expected to roll out paid sharing in other countries. As we roll, quote, as we roll out paid sharing, members in many countries will also have the option to pay extra if they want to share Netflix with people that don't they don't live with, um, adding it would be a change for members who share their account more broadly. I mean, never mind that I don't even know what's on Netflix really anymore. Oh, well, like, I can tell you what's on Netflix. <laughs> what's on Netflix, Kate? Um, that 90s show that <laughs> somehow got a second season. Oh Lord, did it? Yeah, that fast. Yeah, and you, and and probably the gazillionth season of Emily in Paris, which the only people I know who watch that are my parents for reasons. For reasons. Oh Lord. Well, my dad watches Peaky Blinders on Netflix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is developing. We will see. Um, the other major news story out there in the world. Surprise to no one, we got to get deep in our nerd bag here because three months after being announced as the sort of guiding hand in the adult in the room of the uh, retooled DC Cinematic Universe, uh, your boy James Gunn hit the Twitters and outlined basically like the 10 year plan for the DCU going forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of stuff there. It was very confusing. Um, a lot of it was very confusing. Um, we are not going to devote a ton of time to this discussion. We are just going to do the tried and true geek down uh, in or out method. Love it. We haven't done this in a long time. So excited. <laughs> none of these have any, with very few exceptions, none of these have any uh, creative teams announced, writers, directors, none of that sort of thing. Um, and this story was kind of twofold. So there was a like secretive press conference that was held for the media where apparently Gunn was uh, a lot more loose lipped and said things like Henry Cavill got dicked around by the previous admin. (laughs) Um, yeah, it was a little more loose lipped in that one, uh, allegedly. And, but then there was the like Twitter video of him, like actually going through, um, all these things. So this does not include things that were already done and are going to come out under the sort of previous umbrella. Um, The Shazam movie, the second Aquaman movie, the flash movie, which may get used to kind of like was always going to be used to try to reset things in that typical DCU fashion. Yep. Just let the flash do something and, So the Flash do something. Make and then screw up the timeline. Time and suddenly, and- yeah, all the timelines are screwed up and you can do whatever you want. Um, this has happened many times in DC. But um, let's talk about these things. So it should be said the overarching sort of like, <laughs> it's not a phase. This isn't Marvel. So it's not a phase. It's right. a chapter. Cha- of course. We're calling this chapter Gods and Monsters. Okay. 
Don't want to get that uh, Chapter one. So, uh, up first, uh, written by Gunn, and apparently already in production, is an animated show called Creature Commandos. A team of classic monsters assembled to fight Nazis. This is a modern take on the concept. No voice actors yet to be cast, although, in mm-hmm. something that Caitlin McKinnon has harped on previously, all the voice actors will be cast with the intent that they will portray these characters in live action as well. You do the voice in the animated. If the character goes to live action, you play the character in live action. Um, so yes, uh, monsters. We have, I don't recognize any of these characters. You have like a Abe Sapien looking person, uh, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein are in there. Some version of robot man seems to be in there. Um, and yes, but it's a weird monstery, Suicide Squad type team animated. Caitlin McKinnon, are you in and out in or out on Creature Commandos? In. I'll take a look at it. I like All cartoons. Right. I like monsters. I like monsters fighting Nazis. More Nazis should get punched. It was great. <laughs> I'm a little mid on that, but I mean we'll see. If it's the first one out, I'll check it out just to just to set the stage. Uh next up, Waller, a spin-off of Gun's HBO Max series Peacemaker. Viola Davis will return as the ruthless and morally ambiguous head of a government task force. Is being written by Crystal Henry, uh, who worked on Watchmen, and Jeremy Carver, the creator of the Doom Patrol TV series. Caitlin, are you in or out on Waller? Um, I I might take a look, but my thing is, Waller's a great side character. Viola Davis is amazing actor, so anytime she's getting something where she's the centerpiece, I love that. But Waller as a character, to me, is always this weird complex villain character so they might do interesting things with it um I, like i said i might take a look at it but i'm not especially stoked for it i'm in okay you you give me viola davis in the lead on anything and i dig amanda waller just in general she's so she's so shitty she's so <laughs> That's shitty a human being. it's great <laughs> um okay next up and what will be probably the centerpiece of this whole thing we have superman legacy uh, featuring the Man of Steel that Gunn is writing and may direct, although there are no commitments. Although, bro, come on. You're going to write the thing? You're not going to direct it? You're just going to hand it off? I find that hard to believe. Um, it is not an origin story. Yay. It focuses on Superman balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. He is the embodiment of truth, justice, and the American way. He is kindness in a world that thinks that kindness is old-fashioned. Not for nothing, when Gunn talked about this... On the Twitter video, the cover of uh, All-Star Superman was inlaid while he was talking. Right. The classic image of Superman just kind of sitting on a cloud (laughs) with a bemused look on his face. So will it pull from that take? Given other things on this slate, it stands to reason there might be a heavy Grant Morrison uh, influence on some of these things. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, Caitlin McKinnon, not really for or against Superman as a, as a, as a property, as a thing. I don't think I've never heard you come out for or against any grand degree, but James Gunn writing Superman, are you in or out? I don't know. It depends on who they get to play Superman. I had to see the trailer. (laughs) Fair. We have, yes, we have no, we have no cast, no cast, no director aside from a vague, maybe James Gunn will do it. Uh, vibe and although we do have a release date oh 
No matter what happens, July 11th, 2025, this will apparently come out. Um, next up, Lanterns. So previously there was a Green Lantern show being worked on by Greg Berlanti, he who was running the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I guess I forgot to mention is in all of this discussion about the new DCU, say goodbye to the Berlanti-verse, that is dead in the water. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, had a good run. Yeah. I don't it's know that it's, I don't know that I feel terrible. All that terrible. been I mean, on has been for a while. Like, I don't think really anybody fine. could be, could be mad about the run that those shows got. Yeah, they did fine. So this version of the Green Lantern series um, is more of the space cop vibe. Lanterns as a whole, not one specifically, although it will focus on Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. Um, it's been called terrestrial based. Um, hmm. So it plays a really big role in leading into the main story we are telling across film and TV. And in a red flag for me mentioned, our vision of this is very much in the vein of true detective. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Yeah. The, uh, that whole, the whole thing you just said about this lanterns. <laughs> Green thing, Lantern, true detective. Uh, it, no, not even that. Even the, um, the very terrestrial. I'm like, that is the exact exact opposite of the Green Lanterns. Um, Your space cops put yeah. them on a planet and leave them there. Yeah. And also, we don't need Hal Jordan. We just need Jon Stewart. <laughs> he is the best Green Lantern. I will fight you. Hal is always going to be there. Um, we don't need him. Are you in or out on lanterns? I'm, unless, unless... Again, the trailer or the casting or something really blows me away, or you know, we give it to each other for November Crapathon. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent. All right, there are so many things that they announced, which is kind of batshit. So let's let's speed this up a bit. Um, the most interesting one here, maybe about ten years too late to my mind, but is the Authority. Yeah. Authority will be a movie based on a team of superheroes with rather extreme methods for protecting the planet. Uh, This was a comic that dates back to the 90s. No surprise. Um, And yeah, it was basically about a crew of like Justice League analogs, basically, um, because it was put out by a different company that then got bought by DC. Um, Said Gunn, one of the things of the DCU is that it's not just a story of heroes and villains. Not every film and TV show is going to be about good guy versus bad guy, giant things from the sky come and good guy wins. There are white hats, black hats, and gray hats, uh, added Peter Safran. The authority are kind of like Jack Nicholson and a few good men. They know that you want them on the wall, or at least they believe that. Uh, Yeah, the authority, after they were assembled in the comics, kind of hit a point where they were like, why are we waiting to respond to things? We know what needs to get fixed. Let's fix it. Which is not new. Alan Moore's Miracle Man was doing that back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But it was known at the time for being what they called widescreen. It had lots of double page spreads. Lots of big, big, huge battles. Brian Hitch was the original artist. Um, and kind of adjusted the visual language. Comics used to be really dense. This was the, like, you reinitiate the authority in 35 seconds, like, because <laughs> it was all just, like, two pages of talking and then a lot of, uh, a lot of wide panoramic shots of, you know, fights against fleets of aliens or armies or whatnot. I think they took out the president at one point. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I, 
am worried that in the wrong hands, the authority becomes too edgelord. I'm just, honestly, I, we've seen it done so much lately um, that I don't really care. I don't, that's not the story I want to see right now. Um, right. Yeah. I just. So that's, that's mid to out on the authority for yeah. both of us, I think. Yeah. Um, next up, Paradise Lost. The duo described this HBO Max series as a Game of Thrones-style drama on the all-female island that is Wonder Woman's birthplace, the mascara filled with political intrigue and scheming between power players. It takes place before the events of the Wonder Woman films. Caitlin McKinnon, yeah. House of the Invisible Plains, are you down out. for Paradise Lost? Out. You're out? I'm out. Just because they compared it to Game of Thrones? or No, I just... Thinking about it makes me tired, and that's not what I want when I hear the, like, like you know, I, and maybe it'll be incredible and I'll be entirely wrong, but just from that synopsis, I'm just, I just feel tired. They're like, it's, you know, it's going to be all about, like, scheming and power plays, and I'm like, we have so many of those shows. Just because you've said it on a magical island does not mean that I want to yeah, go there. Yeah, yeah. I don't need succession on Paradise Island. Thank you. Um, next up, the introduction of the DCU Batman. This will be called The Brave and the Bold. And it's basically going to be the Batman and Son story. Uh, also done by Grant Morrison. Um, this is where a, he's been in the game for a minute. Bruce Wayne uh, discovers that he has a son he heretofore did not know about, know about. He was raised by the League of Assassins. And he's a little shit named Damian Wayne. Such a shit. Um, and he becomes Robin. And so this is going to be a Batman and Robin story, um, introducing this version of Batman and Robin into the DCU should be said. You're like, what about our pets? Um, one item of note in the Twitter talking was that they have kind of smartly, I think, taken something from DC comics and slapped it on the movies. And that is the notion of Elseworlds. So Elseworlds was a sort of imprint in DC Comics where if anybody wanted to tell a story using these characters that fell out of the continuity, it was DC's what if, basically. Mm -hmm. um, notably, like, I think Red Sun, the Superman story, Red Sun, was one of the most famous Elseworlds stories. it's it was so like. good. Mark Miller, though. I know. I know. I know. I know. But I know. I know. But still, it's really good. <laughs> and the idea is just like, what if Superman landed in Russia? What if Kal-El landed in Russia instead of America? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Um, so the Matt Reeves, R. Pattons and Batman, the Todd Phillips Joker movies, who knows what else they are all. Yeah. Teen Titans go was mentioned as the other one. Like they will all have else worlds kind of in the footnote there mm -hmm. to kind of denote them as something that is using the characters, but is not part of the sort of the new DC, <laughs> the new 52, the new DCU. Um, that Gun and Saffron are building. They will kind of exist on their own and not really work into their continuity, which I thought was a smart move by them. I mean, they should have done it ages ago, but yeah. Very possibly. Uh, interestingly, Caitlin. Yeah. HBO Max series starring Booster Gold. That I literally busted in the door. Poor Chris. I think I gave him a stroke. Like shook the shit out of senior court. And I was like, they're making a Booster Gold TV series. That's the only one I'm actually like so excited for. Uh, friends, if you don't know Booster Gold, as described by Gunn and Saffron, quote, it's about a loser from the future 
who uses basic future technology to come back to today and pretend to be a superhero. Gunn described it as imposter syndrome as superhero. Uh, He's a superhero. He just needs to learn to be... In his way. Yeah. Um, Yeah, great character when done right. Hopefully this will be done right and it will be a... uh, It will be a interesting peacemaker-like spin on uh on this character yes so that makes kate and i both in on that coming up on the last one um <laughs> we just have something called there's going to be a swamp thing movie maybe james mangold is going to direct it okay cool mm-hmm. um could be cool if it's done right but that's literally all we know um and the only other item we have any real information on is supergirl woman of tomorrow taking its cues from the recent tom king written miniseries which i did not know was a thing um, but Tom King is kind of a bellwether for Kate and I that like, Oh, Ooh. we hear Tom King might be worth checking out. Yeah. Um, the movie promises a different take than what most think of when Superman's cousin comes to mind. We will see the difference between Superman who was sent to earth and raised by loving parents from the time he was an infant versus Supergirl raised on a rock, a chip off of Krypton and who watched everyone around her die and be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life and then come to earth. She is much more hardcore and not the Supergirl we're used to. I flinch when people use words like hardcore, hardcore. when describing superhero stories, yeah. but no, no one can do Negasonic teenage warhead like Negasonic te- teenage warhead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ah, the greatest, the greatest legacy Monster Magnet ever gave us <laughs> was writing that song and then Grant Morrison taking that song title and naming a mutant after it. Yes. I would say designing <sighs> a mutant after it. Um, yeah. Do you want, do you want hardcore Lara? I, I don't want hardcore anything. I think, I don't know if it's because I'm old now. I just want like nice stories, different stories. But I don't think I need, like, we have enough superhero stories where there's, like, darkness and grittiness. And every time I see grittiness now on a description of something, I flinch a little. Um, I have enough superheroes who, you know, there's enough blood and gore to satisfy even me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm always wondering, you know, do we need to tell these stories? What stories are we telling? Well, apparently at the like press conference version of this, Gunn kind of emphasized that writers were like, he viewed writers as the centerpiece here. Okay. And he was like, I think the reason why you have superhero fatigue is because they start filming the movie before they have a script. Right. <laughs> you know, like. And I. I- that's and it's as Chris and Andy mentioned, like they're, they're storyboarding the action scenes before they even have a writer attached, right? Yeah. Like, and they do a lot of that because the CGI takes so long. Um, yes. But I, I think that's a great way to look at it. I just when people get their, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen type of thing, I start to wonder if the edges of of things in a good way get ground down. And then you're sort of getting, not necessarily cookie cutter, but again, I'm wondering what kind of stories we're telling and why we're telling them. Um, it could be amazing. All of this could be phenomenal, but just as far, like I, I, the hard part is I also haven't been very interested in DCU stuff, like of any of the like franchises, really all the DCU stuff, it's basically I've only watched a, a handful of things. Well, and that's, I guess, the, the the last question on this whole topic is with everything laid out in front of you now, like, what's your overall 
it still seems rate your rate your interest out of ten in the the DC experiment. It's like four. I think it's a. I think it's a little. I think it's a little too late. I think if they had done this mm. ages ago, I think it would have. You know, it would have been the sort of. You can make more of a comparison between Marvel and DC and be like, "See, this is what DC's doing. That's so neat and different." And it's just sort of like after so many attempts. You're just sort of like, even if this stuff is brilliant, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) It is this fatigue, but it's not, it's not necessarily the writer's fault. I think it's the productions and the producers and the, you know, people who were in charge. They didn't take a creative look at it. They took a financial look at it, which is, I mean, I'm going to harp on that forever. I know I'm a pinko commie. Calm down. Um, But I just, I I just have to wait and see, right? That's a lot of this stuff. Um, Well, yeah. If nothing else, if there's one thing we can can say with confidence, and hopefully this will provide us comfort, um, it's the knowledge that this is surely making Snyderverse fans so mad. Oh, yeah, that actually is. So, so mad. Do I wish him success? Absolutely. Um, do I hope we get really great films and stories out of this? A hundred percent. I mean, think about Peacemaker. I was really like, really? They're making a show, a, a Peacemaker show? And I was concerned. And it turned out to be one of the best things that year. So, and James Gunn's, he's good at what he does. He's a good writer. He's a good director. Um, he's a good creative lead. So all this stuff could be great. Yep, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. You're, I said you're about at about a four. I'm about, I mean, I'm not much higher, but I'm at maybe a six, if I'm being gracious. So, like I said, y'all have got the next, uh, you know, seven to ten years to watch how, <laughs> watch how that shakes out. Ah, moving on, Caitlin. Yes. We talked before the mics came on. This will probably be very brief. Did you watch anything this week? Very little. I don't know why. I don't know if I just came home, saw that it was now black outside, and fell into <laughs> a, like a, a clump um, on my bed. Um, but basically, we've, I've kept up with um, weirdly with um, Vox Machina um, or Vox Machina. Sorry. Um, God, it's got its claws in you. Well, I'm kind of. It's weird. It's one of those shows where there are. There are three characters I do not care about, and the rest of them I I love, or I really I'm really invested in, or I think they've got much better stories. But they're focusing on the terrible characters. They actually did this. This is last season and this season. The main sort of focus are the characters I do not care about. Um, but I keep I we stay watching for the characters we do care about, and like the story we do like. Um, so yeah, that's why I've kept up with that. Um, and then uh, I watched Groundhog Day because it's February, of course. Um, and then I got a gift, which mm. was uh, Vera season twelve. It's only two episodes. I don't know if there are more episodes, but they're like an hour season and a half. 12. Season God twelve. Damn. But they're like like I said, they're two episodes. They're an hour and a half each. I don't know if that's it for it or if just the rest hasn't come out yet, which I really hope there is more. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. I did, tr- I, I'm not going to go through the list, but I did have a list of uh, crime shows I tried to watch 
and they were either too gritty or too dark or boring or silly. And I just, I really need to find something else to get my teeth in. I don't have Vera. Well, we'll see if uh, in the back half of the show, if uh, Caitlin does have a new one to add to her roster, but you got to wait for that chat. What do I have for you? Similar boat to Kate. I don't know why. Oh, I know exactly why. It's because I now go to the fucking gym, which eats up two hours of TV time three to four times a week. Um, and also I'm hitting reruns on Iron Chef now. Apparently I've used up the uh, <gasps> Samsung TV Plus uh, catalog of Iron Chef no. episodes. And it's terrible. It's literally terrible. Um, brief wrestling update. Just this is more for Kate for anybody else. Um, so we had on the latest episode of Friday Night Smackdown last weekend, we basically continued the uh, Roman Reigns bloodline story where Jey Uso has not been seen since the Royal Rumble. Nobody knows where he is. Uh, Roman Reigns, for his part, comes to the ring and starts uh, trying to talk about the currently uh, slated main event at WrestleMania, which will be him versus the winner of the Royal Rumble, Cody Rhodes. And the crowd obviously starts screaming for Sami Zayn. And he's like, oh, you want to talk about Sami? And then he starts going into how, you know, the gaslighting version where it's like, you know, I gave Sammy everything. All Sammy wanted to do, he's like, you people, he just wanted to take, take, take. It was never enough. I gave him the keys to the kingdom, blah, blah, blah. Suddenly, a hooded figure comes into the ring, smacks Roman with a chair, chases him out of the ring, pulls the hat, pulls the hood down at Sammy, grabs the mic. He's like, you're, he's like, you're wrong. I never wanted anything from you ever, but I want something now. He's like, I want you in Montreal uh, at Elimination Chamber, and I want, and I'm taking that, you know, I'm taking that universal, undisputed, intergalactic <laughs> title um so that's your main event in like two weeks in montreal at the elimination chamber um samuel wrestle roman reigns in the main event for the title my god oh, did you ever think we'd be here my god um i think this is just being done to kind of clear sammy out of the way and then refocus on the cody stuff if i'm armchair booking i think there's going to be a moment where there's a ref bump and the ref is down and sammy Hit something on Roman, covers him. The crowd counts three, but there's no ref, so it doesn't count. And then when Jay Uso makes his return that night, probably, and probably turns on Sammy or falls back in line, um, the crowd will come literally unglued. And so if you live in Montreal, prepare yourself for the riot that's coming. Amazing. In three weeks. Uh, anyway, much briefer wrestling update today. What else do I have for you, friends? Uh, I've just been watching a lot of DJ sets on YouTube. <laughs> Okay. There's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of channels out there that just play DJ sets of people in very nice uh, plant strewn uh, <laughs> record rooms. Oh, this is your lo-fi girl. Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's a I think the channel is called The Moment, um, and they have a bunch of different people from Korea and Japan uh, doing all vinyl sets. I just watched a bunch of them this week. Amazing. <laughs> uh, lastly, um, reading update. So, friends, we were going to record last night. We did not because I was collapsing. Um, I did not sleep well on Saturday night to Sunday morning. By the time I went to work, went to the gym, blah, blah, blah. I came back from the gym being like, this is great. Yeah, I'm totally – I hate it. The gym actually made me feel good. Let's go. Let's do it. Two hours later, I was texting Caitlin like, uh, forget everything I just said. I am collapsing. <laughs> um, I'm going to try to shower to perk myself up. And Caitlin was like, or we could just put it off a day after you've slept. Yeah. It's like, right, we do this for fun. Uh, so what did I do to wind down instead of doing a podcast? I finally cracked the spine on uh, Caitlin's Christmas gift to me. That was the first volume of classic 1980s uh, romance manga, Maze Nikoku, yes. 
from the goddess Rumiko Takahashi. Um, we had said before, this was 10 volumes long and I think part of me was like, I hope this is bad. So I don't have any inclination to buy the next nine volumes. It didn't really work out. Oh, <laughs> um, no. Uh, this is there goes your, your brunch and bread money right there. <laughs> that's why I got to get the bread for free. So I have, <laughs> so I have manga money. Um, this is the second major uh, work from Takahashi following Ursa Yatsura. I believe she was doing them at the same time. If I recall correctly, uh, Ursa Yatsura was coming out weekly and uh, Maze Nakoku was coming out monthly in a different magazine, uh, a sign in magazine, which is sign in is for like older demographic a little bit. Um, it's basically about a, what they call a Ronin, which is basically any student who takes a gap year, um, named Godai, who was living in a boarding house in Tokyo with a bunch of lunatics <laughs> and a new, uh, property manager, basically a new building manager named Kyoko, uh, shows up. He immediately falls in love with her. Three's company level hijinks ensue. Um, not always Three's company. It's a little better than Three's company, although Takahashi never made a dick joke she didn't like. Um, bless her heart. Um, and there were definitely a couple moments where I went like, oh, or oh, or oh. oh I mean, it's great. an 80s manga. It's an 80s manga. We're dealing with a lot of tropes here, but I mean, it's gorgeous. And comfy. Um, it's super, it's super comfy. It's a K-drama. It's basically just a K-drama. Um, when the tennis instructor showed up halfway through, I was like, <gasps> no, no. <Love> triangle. <laughs> Love triangle. Um, Sorry, it's it's. I gotta. This is to be in my bonnet. It's a love chevron. Just if it's a real love triangle, then the kid and the tennis instructor would also be in love. So don't play on my heartstrings like that. Well, I'm not sure love chevron is going to catch on. <laughs> you but never know. <laughs> we strive for accuracy here here at the GDP. Oh, and the one sort of interesting for its time. Um, wrinkle is that Kyoko is a widow. Um, she had gotten married young. Um, her husband died. We don't know how. Um, and that's her struggle is, you know, Godai's kind of good natured stupidity <laughs> kind of, you know, move something in her, but she is still, you know, trying to mourn and be faithful to the memory of her husband. Um, so like it's, it's super comf. It's a beautiful book. Um, you're welcome. Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's like, it's like I could probably just buy like nine and ten and have a good handle on the whole story. But what kind of monster? Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> volumes one, nine, and ten. Dear God, it's like just walk into traffic. You have clearly lost your mind. <laughs> you have lost the plot, friend. So I mean, not not anytime soon. But you know. Once in a while, once in a while, a cup, a cup of volume. Maybe that'll be just your Christmas present for the next 10 years. <laughs> so you no, know we're going to be friends for at least the next decade. So Kate can get me caught up on Maze Nakoku every birthday and Christmas. We shall, oh, the covers are so gorgeous though. Anyway, friends, we're going to take a break right here. And when we come back, Caitlin McKinnon, it's time to shine. We got a bona fide mystery show, y'all. Yeah. Mystery of the week, throwback style. For a contemporary viewing audience. What do we think of Poker Face? Well, that's the real mystery. You'll just have to get the answer after this break. Get out your fedora and cigar, everybody.
Hi everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we have brought each other this week. I was very excited to bring this to Jordan, because I also hadn't seen it and I really wanted to. Um, but before we get into it, we have some rules. The mm-hmm. first rule is the rule of three. That is if the thing comes in episodes, we will watch three of them. So the thing gets a chance to become the thing it is trying to become. In this case, you may not have to watch all three, but I would say definitely two. Um, and we will get into that. Um, the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. That is the rule that we will not talk about the thing we are watching until we are sitting in front of these microphones so that you guys get the freshest and hottest of takes. And because this is a relatively new thing, that is actually relevant. It's not just a... Very new. I think it's only been out for a couple weeks. Yeah. It's not even just a fresh take on an old thing. It's a fresh take on a new thing. It's amazing. Um, And the third rule isn't a rule. It is just a policy is that there will be spoilers and... In this case, it doesn't apply. <laughs> it might. I mean... I... If you go into it like I did, where I didn't know really... I knew, like, the general concept, mm. but didn't know anything about it, um, maybe don't hang around, um, go watch it if you have some time, um, and then come on back. But if you don't care, then stick around. And also, if you want to listen to me talk about Columbo, uh, also stick around. <laughs> Um, with that, we'll get into it. So, Poker Face is an American television series created by Ryan Johnson, um, which I love that now people are referring to Ryan Johnson as the guy who did The Glass Onion as opposed to Star Wars. That, to me, is amazing. That's, that's, that's a fantastic, that's an all-time epic pivot on, like, what you are known for. Like, kudos to him. Um, stylized as a case of the week murder mystery series, it stars Natasha Leone as Charlie Kale, a casino worker on the run who entangles herself into several mysterious deaths of strangers along the way. <laughs> and and that's it. <laughs> and that's basically it. Um, uh, so, it, it like I said, it's a, uh, it's a murder mystery case of the week. Um, which is very important, but also very important, um, with each episode adapting the how catch 'em format, not not a not a Pokemon, but how catch 'em format popularized oh, by Columbo. I, I didn't know there was a I didn't know that was the we had a technical term, so this is to yes. be differentiated from the who done it. Yes, because the how catch 'em. This is my my only I think I've seen a couple of uh, British series that have done this, but my my real familiarity with the um, it's called it's How Catch Him or Inverted Detective Story, mm. where you see the murder happen, you know who's done it at the very beginning. Yes, there is no mystery for you as a viewer. You nope. know everything going into it. It is more how are they going to get found out? Yeah, my experience with that, and I think for a lot of people, is Columbo. Um. Who very much that was the whole setup is you knew exactly at the beginning, you saw exactly how it all happened, how it transpired. There was no mystery there. And then it was how is Columbo going to catch the murderer? Um I I did not know this was a murder mystery. <laughs> really? I had no idea. I, I knew that there was I, my so the concept is is that Charlie Kale, who is the main character, she is a human lie detector. She can tell when people are lying. They have to say it. Um, it's not like she can just, you know, 
she can't read their mind. But if they say a lie, she she knows the lie. And this is clearly something that Ryan Johnson likes playing with because we will recall, as per our discussion about Knives Out and Glass Onion a few weeks ago, like the the character of Marta mm-hmm. on Knives Out would vomit if she lied. It made her so made her so ill to lie she would vomit and he used that in knives out and now in the creation of this charlie kale character has created someone who can just kind of always tell when someone's not telling the truth yes and and there have been shows like this like um a lie to me um and where you know they can tell by micro expressions which is actually a legit legitimate thing i mean it's it's they don't you know you know how shows are. They take a, a, a concept that's real and they like literally sprint with it <laughs> into another dimension. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting device um, and it makes it so that she is becomes this sort of traveling detective. Yes. Um, sorry. And um, probably also really important is that each, even though there's sort of like a, a sort of an overarching, like, why is she on the run, which happens in the first episode, um, every episode, like the, the characters are all different. The setup's all different. Um, and yes, like they said in the description, it's basically her solving the murder of a stranger. Yes. And should be said, well, let's, let's not go micro yet. Let's go macro. Caitlin McKinnon. Sure. Yeah. Someone who has much more familiarity and experience with the the mystery, parenthetical murder variety of show and movies and just novels and just that genre as a whole. How did this one stack up for you? I loved it. It's really good, y'all. I, I loved it. I loved... Um, I loved Charlie or, or sort of um, the full-on just do your best impression of Columbo, Natasha Leone. Like I just <laughs> – like like Jordan, we talked slightly before the recording about the scratching the head, the just one more thing. There's just something I can't figure out. These were all completely Columbo, right? Like just – even the the phrases she uses some of the mannerisms um uh yeah i just i loved all of that i loved the victory um for the little people kind of thing because a lot of these stories they're not like huge police involved stories no it'll be like I think the gas station one, it was like three people, right? Like there are not that many people involved. Um, and I really liked that. I liked the intensity on story, the intensity on how is she a connected and B, how is she going to solve it and C, how is she going to make sure that this person comes to justice? So there are five available currently. Uh, how many did you see? I saw three. Um, only because I'm kind of, as I had mentioned, I'm kind of whipping through mis- detective stories and mystery stories, <laughs> and I kind of want to savor the next two. I would recommend that. I am now out, and I'm furious. Um, <laughs> I uh, it's a great show for the for the elliptical, not for nothing. <laughs> right? Okay. I I did complain to Caitlin early on when I did not think I was going to have have enough time to watch this that they are a solid HBO hour. Yes. Um to start. Now 
subsequent episodes four and five did kind of tighten up a little bit. They're a little shorter. Um, Ryan Johnson directed the first two and then, you know, there's been like a rotating group of directors doing the ones that follow. Um, and I, it's going to be weird to say, and this is a weird sort of thing to wrap your head around for me. I cannot think of any other person I like as much as Natasha Leone, but have such a limited capacity for. <laughs> okay. Um, that was me in Russian Doll. Like I really tried Russian Doll, but like it's so much Natasha Leone doing the Natasha Leone thing all the time that it's like I, I need a I need a break. Um, the dosage of Natasha Leone here in this show is kind of perfect, and it's not just that; it's that. The character who's playing on Russian Doll was, you know, a little self-centered, a bit of a loser, that type of thing. Um, Charlie loves people so much, and it is so palpable in her performance. Yeah. How much she loves people. Um, And that's ultimately what gets her into these scenarios. She's not going out looking to solve murder cases. No. Something will happen, and then she'll just clock somebody as lying about something. And then, and then it's the kind of, and it's, it's the classic, it's the perfect, it happens. And she just goes bullshit. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's like involuntary for her. She just does it. She's like, that was a lie. And then she, it gets stuck in her tooth like a poppy seed and she just can't, it's like, why would they or, lie or, about that? Something's that not thread. right. It's that thread that you have to pull. And she, even there are moments where she really, um, for instance, in the, in, so in the first, like we said, the first episode, she basically gets in trouble with a mob boss, a crime boss, um, through working at this casino and her her friend being murdered and and she's on the run, which is why she's going from sort of place to place. And in yes, the second shit, one, we, I think we I think we like the show so much and we we want people to see it so much. We will not just air out everything that happens in that episode, but things kind of go ass up. Yes, through the course of that first episode where she has to, she had already been kind of making her living. It's called Poker Face because she was making her living kind of gambling um, and cleaning out poker games. Um, and then she kind of gets found out by this casino owner and, but gets a job at that casino, um, for reasons we don't quite understand the relationship between the two of them, but it's not purely benevolent by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, shit through the course that now the, uh, casino owner's son is running things. Things go ass up. Um, she has to flee because she's low key the reason why things went ass up because she had to pull out that thread. Um, and so now she is on the run from Benjamin Bratt. Fantastic. Yeah. Love to see him in this role. Um, and yes, the that's enforcer. how she's, that is why she is on the run because now the, the senior casino owner, senior is like, I let you walk once. You're not walking from this one. Yeah. Um, um, so that so- is why she is constantly, and moving this, from place to place. And in the second episode, she knows for reasons that she's got about four hours before they track her down. Yes. And well, basically, she meets somebody who lives off the grid and mentions at one point, I used an ATM and you know someone had been after them. And it's like, I used an ATM once and it took four hours for them to find me. So that just kind of becomes this, the idea of like, if she blips up anywhere, she's got about four hours before they can find her. So in the second episode, she she knows she has this this time frame and she could just leave and leave it. But again, she has met this person who kind of saved her life and Mm. she feels this connection with them. And 
Um, they've, been, they've been hauled in for a murder. That doesn't seem that like she, something they would do, like yeah. she would do. And she knows she has this time crunch, but she's just, she's so determined to put it right. Um, even at her own disadvantage. Um, and it just is a great setup. Even that, that character that she meets, that they have an amazing scene at the, in the truck where the, the, the woman's like, so this hookup's not going to happen, is it? I'm not really not getting a hookup vibe here. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and all the characters are so good. They're so fully fleshed out. So, yeah, to that point, um, to double back on what I was saying before um, about the Leon dosage being more aligned with my tolerance level, um, the first episode is very much Charlie's story. Mm-hmm. Every subsequent episode, you may not see Charlie for the first, like, 20, 20 minutes. Yeah. Because it's setting up who these other characters are, this, who the story is actually about. And then after what, you know, would be like the first or second commercial break, you'll start to see where Charlie fits in. Whether she was doing an odd job or just passing through town or how she met people. The third episode takes place in Texas, kind of around this uh, outdoor kind of barbecue pit restaurant sort of thing. I really wanted barbecue after watching that. (laughs) I was very sad. You will start by... Watching these like discussions with these two brothers, one of which played by Laurel Howery, who was awesome in this role. Um, and it's like basically they run a barbecue business. Um, and one, the older brother who kind of does all the cooking is like, I'm out. I, oh. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going vegan. He's like, what are you talking about? Well, then you watch that play out for a while. And then as with every episode after the commercial break, it kind of goes back in time a day tops and you find out, well, actually Charlie ends up finding this dog at a gas station or a dog jumps into her car at a gas station. She can't get rid of it. Um, it's a dick. It's, it's oddly enamored with conservative talk radio. Um, and then as she's passing this barbecue spot, the dog jumps out, starts causing havoc, eats a bunch of shit. Charlie now has to work. To pay off the damages. Yeah. Um, So that's why she's there. And now you see, and I fucking love this. I I love this so much. She's talking to the older brother who at this point has not decided to quit the business yet. And he's basically saying how he just kind of like lives in a trailer out there during peak season. um, Because there's so much work involved with the smoking and getting the the wood chips together and all that type of stuff. It's a long process. So he just kind of lives out there so he can focus on it. And she's like, oh, you want some movies? I got some DVDs in the trunk. And she, <laughs> it's so dumb and specific. And I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's like, what about Okja? I saw the first half. It was pretty cute. <laughs> Okja being the Bong Joon-ho movie about essentially factory farming, which starts out as a, very, yes, very cute uh, girl in her land hippo um, story. And then you find out. Horrible, horrible things about what are happening to these animals. That is what he watches and wakes up the next day deciding he needs to uh, get out of the business. And his brother and his wife won't let that happen. Murder ensues. And, you know, again, it's that thing where, like, Charlie doesn't really get it. That's really crazy. Wow, he didn't seem like the type. And then he'll just she'll just clock somebody say something like, 
you know, nobody could have seen it coming or something like that. Or we're really, you know, we're devastated. Or, or She'll just be something like, like I like the, the wife saying, um, I don't know where the paprika is gone. Right. And it'll be like, and she talks about things like it's weird when people lie about really silly things. Well, there's one in the fifth episode, no spoilies, where like they're basically like saying somebody's in the bathroom when they're not. And she's like, they got diarrhea. And Charlie walks by and she's like, oh, bullshitting about shit. All right. <laughs> she doesn't know why. She just clocked it as a lie. And then it's when things happen later on, she circles back to that moment and goes, does that have anything to do with it? Um, I really found surprisingly that these more episodes I watched, the more I liked it. Um, not that the first two episodes were bad by any means, but just kind of seeing those moments and seeing her interact with the characters. Mm-hmm. I thought the fifth episode was fantastic. I really liked it. Um, excited now. Stars Judith Light from Who's the Boss as a former uh, 70s revolutionary. <laughs> Amazing. Like student activist type of thing. Yeah. Uh, now, live, now living in a group home. Um, <laughs> and I thought that episode was fantastic. The fourth one is basically stars Chloe Savini as a washed up uh, heavy metal singer. And Charlie ends up working as their merch girl on tour. Amazing. And like I said, I'm giving you these scenarios and that's why the show's dope. Because it can just be something different every episode. Yeah. And and it's not, it's not like the... Um, the overarching story does not appear. It's not super heavy handed. You can just literally jump in at every episode and immediately kind of know what's going on and just settle in. And that's comfy in its way too. I was really, this is, it's weird to say this is like a TV show, (laughs) (laughs) but we don't know. We haven't known what TV shows have been for so long that it's weird to see like, yeah, this is literally just, this would have been on at eight o'clock on Wednesday night and you would watch it and then you would leave it and be like, that was enjoyable. And then you'd get on with your day. Like, yeah. And then 20 years later, talk about it at every opportunity. Um, you can on the podcast you do with your friend. Look at you. Murder. She wrote, look at you. <laughs> um, yeah, this is just really, I'm, I'm, I started with it kind of like, that's pretty good. By the time I got there, I woke up this morning being like, I'm amped to watch the fifth episode. And that's a was that's a just delighted by it by the time it was done and now I don't have any left and I'm annoyed. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when it drops but I'm I'm literally here just waiting for the next episode. It's So so it's Severance and Poker Face. We're just really bad at yes. TV right now. <laughs> we're at a and we're also at a hot start for 2023. I know we were talking about 2022 was just stacked but goddamn, we are at a uh, yeah. We are at a hot start right here, <laughs> notwithstanding the turd that was Trigun Stampede, but but even mm. that was good. We got to have some bad to balance out, right? Like we can't have, you, you don't know light unless you've known dark. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> uh, friends, this is on Peacock in America, in Canada. It is on a Amazon Prime add-on. It's not easy. So you can probably deduce how we're watching it. <clears throat> that was so subtle. <laughs> Who's being so? I'm not saying. No, not just what you're just like, you know, how you, we, you can figure out how we watch that. Meanwhile, I'm like, yar, me matey. <laughs> it's just dropping the sound of buoys and foghorns <laughs> in the back, in the background <laughs> while we talk about this. Anyway, uh, however you can watch it, 
uh, would come with a strong reco from both of us, I think. Uh, yes. It's like a solid eight for me. Easy. It's a nine for me. I just... Yeah, eight, eight I, maybe nine. Like I, I was so delighted by her performance about the just total... This is a... It really, it is a love story to Columbo. Like, the, just... I cannot get over... The mannerisms, the smoking, the one more thing. I mean, thing. I, I don't know. And I mean, like, okay, so I don't know if it was Ryan Johnson or who it was who was just like, it's one thing to be like, they should make another, you know, they should bring back that format, you know? Right. They should make a show like that again. They should just, you know, they should bring back Columbo. And then somebody goes, you know what would be cool, though? If Columbo was Natasha Leon. Yeah. Yeah. That's batshit, and that's the like, like Kate said. That, that's that's the sprinkles. That's the sprinkles you just want to gobble up. Like it's yeah. it's so. I know it's weird for me to be like I have low tolerance, but I'm also simultaneously delighted by her. Like she's <laughs> she's so, and I can't get over. I'm I'm saying it again. Like it's so apparent in her performance as this character how much she loves people, and that's what makes her compelling like when she talks to the guy you know the guy at the barbecue spot teaching her about the different types of wood yeah and you know she sees how much he loves what he's doing and she low-key kind of feels bad that she's the one who (laughs) she's the reason why he chose to abandon it accidentally Um, (laughs) accidentally by giving him a copy of okja but like you can see how touched she is by him loving what he loves and that, mm-hmm. you know, she just likes people and she likes being around people. And that's mm-hmm. so kind of wonderful to see and such a nice vibe to be around on something, something you're watching in the cold, dark, <laughs> cloudy uh, January <sighs> of the fever winter, um, which I just think is probably Norse for forever winter. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, I was delighted. I'm so excited. I have two more episodes. I'm going to yeah, try come, and slowly watch them this week, but it's definitely going to be this come week. Come back next week when we talk about episode five, because yeah. I feel like we'll want to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, find that wherever you can. Strong record from both of us. Um, yeah. And I think that will put a pin in us for this week. Caitlin McKinnon. Put a, put a, put a pin in us. We're done. Friends, if you, got, if you check out Poker Face and you got thoughts, opinions theories on if Benjamin Brad ever ever catches her. You can let us know over on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. We would love to have that chat. Otherwise, we will be with you next week, friends. Thank you for spending an hour and change with us every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and I hope you join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geekdown Podcast. I have nothing. I have nothing funny for you, aside from more Latasha Leone impressions. <laughs> there was a Natasha Leone impression. Jordan.